0: Well, last night I told you a bit about a big break in a decades-old cold case that had haunted generations of Vancouver police investigators. The skeletal remains of two young children had been found in the city's famed Stanley Park in 1953. Police would discover they'd been bludgeoned to death with a hatchet found near the remains. But for the next 70 years, little else was learned, some but not enough, despite ongoing attempts to identify the bodies and find a killer. Well, that whole mystery unraveled quite quickly over the past little while, and thanks to modern technology, we now know that the victims were brothers Derek and David Dalton, six and seven years old at the time of their deaths. Their identities confirmed when police provided skull fragments to a genealogy uh, site in Massachusetts or a Massachusetts-based genetic genealogist company, and they were eventually able to track down a living relative in Vancouver. Now, here's what Vancouver Police Inspector Dale Weedman had to say about the case yesterday. The murders of David and Derek have haunted generations of homicide investigators. It brings me great satisfaction to be able to stand here today to to give these children finally, after this many years, a name and to bring some closure to this horrific crime And that's where author and writer Eve Lazarus is uniquely placed to pick up the story. She hosts and produces the Cold Case Canada True Crime podcast and writes a blog called Every Story Has Its Place and was the first to report on this big development in the Babes in the Woods case earlier this week. She, in fact, met the living relative whose DNA helped unravel this very old mystery. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Ben. Well, let's start at the beginning, because I know you didn't just take pick up an interest in this case recently. This is something you've been following for quite a while. What about it interested you from the outset?
1: Oh, I've been obsessed with this case since I saw it in the uh, Vancouver Police Museum back in the 1990s. They had a true crime display, and something about the kids or no one knowing that they were missing or, or the, the whole case just really got to me and uh, so I've been when I wrote my book Cold Case Vancouver it was one of the first cases I wanted to include in there and it just gave me the excuse to do a lot of research into that period of time it was such an interesting period you know when they were found and when they were murdered in the 40s and 50s and so just to really delve into to the social history as well.
0: I guess it was a very different Vancouver that these two boys were living in at the time than the one we know today.
1: It was a pretty wild um, Vancouver. It was when they found them, it was 1953. And they figure that the, the boys were murdered in 47. Well, you're looking at, you know, just two years after Second World War, it was, you know, a rough time in Vancouver. Then as now, housing was critically short. You've got um, women that were kicked out of well-paying jobs and, you know, sort of basically on the street or working in really low-paid retail or, you know, single mothers in particular would have had a horrific time of it. Um, Not only would they have been ostracised, there was no social net. So, you know, if we're looking at this mother of of three children, um, it would have been a tough go.
0: Because when you looked back, I mean, I guess one of the questions was always, and you would know the answer to this, why was this case so difficult to solve?
1: Well, there was no, first of all, the kids were never uh, reported missing. So no one knew that there was an unsolved murder or missing people for five years. So when they did find the skeletons, I mean, that had five years at least out in the elements Um, They didn't, you know, when they first got them, they even while, you know, sex is difficult to determine from skeletal remains, I'm told, they said it was a boy and a girl. And this was a huge mistake that set them down the wrong path for, you know, the next 45 years. So while they did a huge amount of investigating, they were looking for a missing brother and sister. So who knows how many tips they got of missing boys where they said, oh, thanks, but, you know, in the garbage with that, that's not what, you know, we're looking for. I don't know. Um, But I imagine that had a great deal to do with it. And it really wasn't until DNA came on the scene in the the 90s and they took a look at it and realised that they were dealing with um, two half-brothers.
0: What's remarkable about this case, again, I suppose, is that as the technology progressed or evolved, so did their ability to unravel this mystery. Um, You're uniquely placed to discuss this part of it, um, but it started like so many of these things do with simply someone curious about a photo and their family, I gather.
1: Uh, do you mean how the, the family were discovered? Yeah, or exactly
0: sort of, I mean, from one side we had the police sort of submitting bone fragments um, to try and figure out who these boys were. Right. But, But really to unravel the mystery, you needed the family, someone in that family to be looking for their past as well so you could make the link. Right. And I guess you know that other side of the story far better than most do.
1: Well, it was really amazing that they could get any DNA at all from the bone fragments. I mean, to me, that was a miracle. They're magicians, the the forensic people that did that. And then they were looking for a relative. And, you know, when you look at um, other cases that have happened, like the Golden State Killer and stuff like that, they've had to, you know, find a third cousin twice removed or whatever and build out trees of a 1,000 relatives and it's taken, you know, months and months and months and months. But in this case, I got really lucky. And on the other end of the family, um, th- this young lady had uh, always heard the story in her family that she'd had two great uncles that, um, you know, were living with her for grandmother, who was the oldest sibling, and they were a very poor family living in Vancouver. And the story that was in the family was that the kids were taken, the two little boys were taken by social services because the family was too poor to look after them. And I assume that happened quite a bit. And she'd seen pictures in the family album of these two little boys with a grandmother, and you know had questions, and no one would really answer them. Just that it was you know a terribly sad story, and so she decided to um, put a DNA into family, and what is it, 23andMe and Ancestry mm. and a couple of these other databases and see what she hoped to find was these great uncles would still be alive. You know, they'd be in their 80s. And her grandmother had just died two years before and they were younger. So she hoped that she'd find them alive or, if not, you know, find her children or, you know, their their children or their grandchildren mm. and complete the family. And while all this was going on, um, this was a few years back, her, her grandmother was still alive. And her mother wanted to find out her ancestry. And so she took a swab and submitted her DNA to uh, MyHeritage. And so it was in the system. Uh, You really couldn't get a lot closer than the half-sibling, I wouldn't think, and um, the great-niece.
0: Right, and at the same time, as police are hoping that they'll extract some DNA and and maybe be able to draw some kind of family tree to try to figure out who these two children were. At the same time, their families submitting their DNA to try and figure out where these uncles of these these two—I mean, it ended up being Derek and David—but where they were. Yep. So there's sort of this this symmetry that happens. Um, I, I was I was going to we have we'll take a quick break in a minute, but all of a sudden, I gather. On one end, they start to figure out that the, this family here in Vancouver are, in fact, the relatives. Uh, how does that
1: unfold? Well, it, the, the relative, the mother, gets a mm-hmm. knock on the door, I guess, from um, a Vancouver detective saying, you know, we have found your uncles and they're the babes in the woods. And the odd thing is they'd never heard of this case. Right. And, you know, I guess I'm so obsessed with it, I can't imagine that no one knows about it, uh, yeah. but they'd never heard of this case. So they went online to look and they came across my podcasts that go into it and um, and the podcast com- comes out of the book. And uh, then Ali had got in contact with me with some questions on Saturday and we chatted and about it.
0: Ali is the Allie is the daughter, right? Ali is the younger... Is, is the, sorry, yeah.
1: she's a younger girl. Yes, yeah, she's a yeah. young woman of 26 and she was the one that sort of spat in the, the tube to find the great uncles in, in the first right. place. And uh, so she'd got in touch and, and we chatted about doing a story about it on my blog and talked about it and went over it. She sent me the photos and who knew how it would blow up. <laughs> I mean, it is it is such
0: a remarkable story because it really took at the end of the day, it took very little time for this very old, cold case to simply, the mystery simply unraveled quite quickly once, once it was identified. Um, what was the reaction of, of, I mean, you've referred to her as, as, as Allie Brady, I know. Uh, what was her reaction to learning that that the uncles she the great uncles she'd been looking for, the photos that she had seen, were in fact the two boys who who had sort of obsessed generations of police detectives in the city?
1: Well, she was devastated to find out what had happened. And, you know, obviously that she was connected, it was a real shock um, when she started looking into the case and realised how famous it was. And, and what a horrific end they came to. Like, yeah. it's unimaginable that, you know, you're these relatives that you could only see in family albums were, were murdered in this horrific fashion.
0: I'm speaking with author and writer Eve Lazarus. She hosts and produces the Cold Case Canada True Crime Podcast, writes a blog called Every Story Has Its Place. And was the first to report earlier this week that the long-standing mystery of the babes in the woods, 2 body, the bodies of two children, or the skeletal remains of two children found in Vancouver Stanley Park back in 1953, had at last been identified. Um, I mean, you must have had an incredible reaction to your blog. I know I, know I read the tweet at the time, um, but I imagine you must have been surprised at just how many people were fascinated by this case.
1: My blog crashed. It's never done that before. I had people, you know, <laughs> complaining on social media. We can't get on. We can't get on. Um, so, yeah, I was totally shocked at, at the response. Um, and, yeah, I guess I should have been aware about, you know, how fascinated people were with this case and, and how much they wanted to see it resolved Even though, you know, we don't know who murdered them, we've Mm -hmm. got their names and I think that's just so huge and we know a little bit about them. Um, There was a wonderful photo of Derek um, taken uh, that the family gave me and he's at Henry Hudson Elementary School. So, Mm -hmm. and you see him in sort of the back row and it must have been not long before he was killed. Uh, They believe the year was 1947. I'm not sure if they've pinned that down. So it's 1947, 1948. Um, He was born in 1940, so he would have been about seven when he was murdered, and David would have been about six. And we know that Derek's the oldest one because his name is on the back of the photo, and that was the only way we could sort of confirm that um, initially. I guess the police had the birth certificates. I hadn't seen those. Um, So we've got um, Derek at seven and David at six, and it just shocks me that... They were never reported missing from school.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned evelazarus.com, by the way, because there are all these photos, including one very, very cute one of Derek as well in a pair of little shorts and (laughs) standing with his cousin. Um, I guess that was what was so fascinating. about reading your blog is not only that we now know the names of these two uh, young boys who had died, but we also could really put a face to them, even though it was, a, you know, these are some very old pictures back from the, from the 40s. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier. I guess it was just a very different time in Vancouver. And a lot of this case is reflection, reflects that, that era in the city. Um, I, I mean, now that we have put faces to them, I guess you know more about their story as well. And, and what did you find about, about these two boys and their short lives?
1: Well, really, that was it. You know, they grew up in Kitsilano. Um, They went to Henry Hudson. The family, uh, Diane, was the oldest. She would have been 10 when they disappeared. Uh, And, again, the the police haven't confirmed that they weren't taken by social services. We don't know that yet. So I'm kind of waiting to, to hear about that, and I'm hoping someone's gone through the records at Henry Hudson and just seen when Derek did disappear There's also a a bit of um, confusion on their surname. Um, Mm -hmm. Eileen, their mother, changed her name three or four times. And I think the Alton, the name that the police have, was a made-up name. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure where that came from. I can't see any record where she changed that or married. The uh, maiden name was Biscoe get and I'm probably mutilating that, but um, that was her maiden name and that's what the family thought that Diane was named. And so I assume that the boys were as well, but maybe not. So, so that's something I'd love to see cleared up, you know, what was their last name and where did Dealton come from?
0: That's right, because in in your blog you refer to them as David and Derek Busquet, and yeah. uh, DiAlton is the name that we learned yesterday. I guess that's the, what I was going to ask you about. Since you've had such a fascination with this case, um, you know, police made it very clear yesterday we will likely never know who was responsible. Uh, although they do say they do mention that they believe it was someone close to the family, but we don't know that to be true. They've obviously had their suspicions over the years. Where will you now look, uh, and you've mentioned a bit of it, but I guess there's still a lot more to find out now that we know who the babes in the woods were.
1: Well, now we need to know who the fathers were. Uh, They've got the DNA, as I understand it, from Derek Skeleton, the older boy. (laughs) So presumably they can find a paternal connection, which would be fascinating. And i don't believe they've got the DNA from David's skeleton as yet, but, um, I mean, these guys are magicians, so it's only a matter of time. Uh, So it would be fascinating to find out his uh, paternal heritage. Uh, Eileen is Mati heritage, and David is certainly darker-skinned when you look at the photos. Um, So that, again, we won't know until, you know, more information comes out from that, but that will certainly be interesting and, and may tell more of the story.
0: And I guess the last question I wanted to ask you is just, I mean, the family, as you mentioned, went out searching for, um, for potentially for long lost relatives and wound up in the middle of this incredibly famous cold case. How did they see, where do they see the next chapter or, or when you were speaking to them, how did they see, uh, were they, were they, the police always use the word closure and it never seems like it means much, but did this bring them some sort of comfort to know what had happened?
1: Yeah, and and Ali definitely said that to me. She said it's devastating to them to find out what happened and all of this, but um, she said even though it sort of came to a devastating resolution, at least she knows what happened, and I think that was huge. So it did, in a sense, you know, I hate that word closure as well, but I I Mm -hmm. think it's fitting in this case. They did get some closure.
0: And where do you look next? What's, what's the next chapter for you in the uh, in the Babes in the Woods story? I guess we could call it the Derek and David story now.
1: Well, again, I'm sitting waiting to find out what happens with the DNA, the results from Henry Hudson School. Mm-hmm. And um, if they pin down the actual date of the murder, it would be really interesting. I'm not sure if DNA can do that, but that would be certainly helpful. And I'll be writing last- about it... My- I'll be writing about it in my new book, Cold Case BC, that will come out in the fall. Oh, great. The name of the book, I'm sorry, Eve, is? Cold Case BC, and it's coming out in the fall.
0: Well, congratulations on that as well. And evelazarus.com for any listeners who'd like to go have a look at that blog that garnered so much attention and the photos of the young boys as well. Eve Lazarus, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing uh, what you knew about this case, and uh, we look forward to seeing your follow-up writing on it as well.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.